Awesome. This has been great. It's been great to be with you this morning. Well, morning once again. If I happen to miss you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and we have been in a series this past month called Two Life, and today is the last part of uh, this conversation, and we've been talking about what does it mean to live out uh, our lives as Christ followers, and we we say and think, sing things today like, it's a narrow road, and I want to be on it, and and these statements of of these places where we, I want to obey what God has asked me to do, and, and do it joyfully, like, so why, what brings us to get to that point and to make those statements. And if you are someone who's in, in a journey towards God or following Him and you're, you're up here and part of this, we hope that this is a safe place for you to come and ask your questions of God. And, and, and we hope that that is, is true for you. And so, you know, there are things that we engage in and do as Christ followers that make you wonder. And so we've been kind of engaging that conversation this past month. And, and so... Um, today, it's leading us to talk about the personal commitments and the things that we do to take those steps. And so we say things like, oh, we should love our enemies and pray for those who hurt, try to hurt us. Those are the words that Jesus gave for us. And we commit to one another, even when we don't always agree. We give financially to a church, or we give financially to others. We we, we say something to someone that's not easy for them to hear, but they need to hear. Or we allow someone to say those things to us. Um, and you know, we receive feedback. <laughs> we embrace discipline. That's what really that is. We embrace it with joy, as God calls us to. Why would we do those things? Well, we've learned that it's born out of our relationship with Christ. It's our commitment to Him, and we've seen that He is the Savior. We believe that He was crucified and resurrected, proving that He was the Son of God, and that His words are true. And if that's true, then it means that we've been made to be eternal, that, that we have a purpose in the life that He's called us to, and that the order that we see in the world and creation and the consistency all points to this God and the beauty that He made us for, and that He's calling us back to that beauty, and we are well aware of our brokenness that we believe we've brought into this world, and we call that sin. And there's incredible consequences to that. But God didn't leave us there, but He came and pursued us and came after us and in fact, made himself like a slave to us to be crucified and killed because someone had to come and take the punishment of our sin, that we walked away from life and love that God gave us and walked away from the beauty, and that brought about death. And so as Christ followers, that's the core of who we become, that we proclaim that Jesus is the only truth that we can have. Why is that? Well, we've learned that when Jesus came, he showed us that our problem. And Jesus came to reveal a problem but not just say, hey, here you go. No, he came to solve it. All of the Old Testament scriptures that we have are the story of our brokenness and God stepping into the mess with us and ultimately leading to Christ. And Jesus showed us that it's impossible without him. That we think that we're good, but even the thoughts of anger that we have towards one another are deep-seated and really lead to murder. And, and, and we, we say, well, I would never murder. But God says, well, that, that anger that you have in your heart is just as bad. And like, it, it, he raised the bar on what it meant to be good. 
And he showed us that it's actually impossible. And that's why he came. He was the only one that could solve the problem. And that's what Christ came to do. Not to condemn us, but to take the condemnation for us instead. And it's out of that that we believe. And when he rose from the grave, his followers believed in him. They saw with their own eyes. And then they found this treasure in Christ. They found this treasure. And so our commitments that we make to one another come out of that place of commitment. So wherever you're at in your journey with God, it all starts with Christ. And so we've looked at that. We pulled up this fun little chart here, and we've got this image for you today. And so because Christianity has now been around for a couple thousand years, we have these traditions and denominations, and that's not all bad, and and we, we distort it, sure. And so we view Jesus many times through his church. On the left side, you see that journey like you think, well, if you had a good experience or bad experience with church, typically leads you to your, your, how you view who Jesus is. And so if it's not been great, well, then maybe you turn away from Christ. But it kind of, many times, if you, especially if you're, if you're not a Christ follower, you just, however you view his church through the media or through weird people that come out or an experience that you have, like there's all these things. But the way it really should happen is on the right side where we start with Jesus and we look to who he is. And so a church can help point you to him, absolutely. Or it could, but it doesn't have to be a church. It can be through others who are part of his church. A church is really his people, his family. And so you can encounter Jesus in many ways through a coworker, through a roommate, family members, or through his church that you attend on a Sunday. There's many ways. And then you investigate the claims of Christ. It all starts with him. Is he the son of God? That's your first question. If it's true, then it has massive implication for us. But if it's not, then nothing he said actually matters. But we found this treasure in him that he's bringing us to life and the words that he says and the commitments we make are all because we understand that he is the only one that can truly fulfill us. And so you say yes or no. If you don't believe that, you reject and you go your own way. You find your own way to be fulfilled. Maybe you're here today because you've gone on that journey and you've found that that the things that you have don't quite fulfill you. But for Christ followers, we say yes, we surrender and we commit. The first step we take as Christ followers is baptism. We, we had the joy of celebrating baptism last Sunday. And, and it's this place where we say, God, I, I'm going to follow you. And, and the first thing that Jesus asked us to do was take the step of baptism. It's a step of obedience, a public commitment. And we start by surrendering. And it's out of that commitment that we are part of his church family. The word church actually really means gathering, not a building, but his people. We actually commit to one another. And so the things that we do come out of who God has made us to be. And so last week we talked about that. We talked about what it means to be part of his family, his church. And that commitment comes from Christ. So he's called us to commit to one another. He's made you to be within a church family, to belong. It's a part of your purpose. And if you want to know more about that, you can go back and listen to that. It's on our website. It's on our podcast. And so 
He's called us to commit to one another. And, but there's also a personal commitment that he's brought you back to God. He's removed the barriers that we seal between us and God so that you can be a, have a personal relationship with him. And so today I want to talk about that personal commitment. And part of your personal commitment is committing to one another through the good and the bad. But as Christ followers, we now proclaim that our identity is in him, that he is the one that can truly fulfill us greater than anything else. And so the pleasures that we pursue in life are the good things that come from him, but they are not the ultimate. It's in him. And so, so much of this is centered around our, our new identity in Christ. This is truly who you've been made to be, who you've been made to worship and declare. And so I declare that he is my Lord, my Savior. I love him. And so I've been freed up for this. And we use this word freedom. And I don't think we always believe that because we've, we've viewed God through his church. And church is associated with religion, which is associated with rules. But if you've been with us, Christ came to show us that we can't keep the rules, even the best of the best. And then he said, you have to be better than the best, than the, the ultra-religious people, to be able to get to God. And people are like, well, can't do that. And Jesus is like, yeah, not even those guys. The, the, the people that tried to be the best of the best, he exposed them. Only he could do it. And that's the beauty, is that he knew that. He didn't leave us in that place. He came to take the punishment for us. And it's out of that foundation that we live out our relationship. This is all about a relationship with God because that is what is truly the best for us. So God made a way for us to be brought back to him. Our freedom that he purchased, it's not a concept. To have freedom, it had to be Purchased. It was purchased by a person, by Christ. And you might not believe that, but let me point it through this perspective. We, if, you're, if you're freed up, you're, you don't have a weight on you. And so we talk about the things that hang us up. They're like a weight. And we call this the weight of sin. And so in the scriptures... It talks about this. Coming out of Christ's life, in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. There's this weight of our own doing that we feel. And so you may think that you, like you reject God, okay, then you're like, I'm going to be free and do my own thing. But there's a catch to that, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. And Paul is someone who helped us see this in a brilliant way, and he wrote this letter to the church in Rome. This is, a, this is really soon after Christ's death and resurrection, and Paul wrote all these, these letters inspired by God and showing us how beautiful this freedom we have in him. And he talks over and over with a treasure that they found. And he talks about this about being, as being ruled by sin. 
The things that you think will make you free actually rule you. It's a huge statement for both Christ followers and those seeking God or even rejecting Him to think about. So I want to introduce you to this passage where he talks about this. This is found in Romans 6. I'm just going to read through this and point out a couple of things. Starting in verse 2. And Paul says this. This is talking about from our position of committed, surrendered Christ followers. He says, Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Like we've, we've been forgiven by Him. When we commit it, our lives to Him, He forgives us, made us new. He says, since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Why is this? So that we would no longer, so sin would, might lose its power in our lives. That statement. Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that, God did this, so sin might lose its power in our lives. And this is, if you can go keep, keep on that slide, this is a fascinating thing for you to think about. As we say, okay, I can live my own way, but one of the reasons we, can, we know that God exists and we, is, we, is the power of our brokenness. And you, can, you can define sin, you can decide to define it however you want to, what is right or wrong. But even then, you can't keep up your own rules. You, you disobey your own thing. Just, if you don't believe it, just get a roommate and you get mad at them for doing something that you do yourself. Or have kids and tell them not to do things and away from them to go to bed and you do them yourself. <laughs> like we, we can't keep up our own rules. There's something in us that's broken, that's leading us to bad decisions, things we regret, things that we don't want to do. And it has a power over us. And Christ knew that. So Christ that when we, when we commit our lives, we, we are united Him with His death, that, that the power of death, might, sin, death, might lose its power. We are no longer slaves to sin. It's a fascinating thing. He continues, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And when we die with Christ, we know that we will also live with Him. We are sure Sure of this, because Christ was raised from the dead. They knew this. They saw him rise from the grave. They are sure of this. They know with confidence we are set free. And he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. This is good news for us today. That even in death, we win. It's incredible. For when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive through Christ Jesus. He says, then, so do not let sin control the way that you live. And so this is this picture 
of what it does to us, our sinful nature. He says, do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right to the glory of God. So this is what he talks about, how we've been made to live full lives, and because of what Christ has done, we can do that, and this is what it means to live it out. And then he says this. This is all because of what Christ did. He says, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The rules that you tried to keep that you couldn't keep up, God knew that. That no longer hangs over you. Those things no longer are your master. As Christ followers, you no longer, no longer live under the requirements of the law. You were with us in the first couple of weeks. We looked at that. Jesus brought that before us. So Jesus said, here's all the things. And he showed us how impossible it was. But he said, I've come to fulfill it for you. And this is a beautiful statement. So we were, what are you under? You're not under the requirements of the law. You are now under the freedom of God's Grace. And this is so key to see and know because this is the foundation that you stand upon, the freedom of His grace, and how you live out your daily Christian life. It's why we make those commitments to Him, that we stand on Him and that foundation of freedom. So if you're not in Christ, you are under the law. Now you could say, I live my own way, but this is a fascinating thing. It's a great irony, irony for you because you're like, I'm going to go my own way. I'll live how I want to, but you are actually under the law because the thing, whatever you've decided to be your identity, because you've got to have one. You've got to have something that gives you purpose to live for. You can't live your life without that. And whatever that is, that will be what controls you. You will become a slave to that. And you're not actually it's a great irony because we say, I don't need God. All of us have done this. I don't answer to him. I answer to me. And we're constantly in this battle to please ourselves instead. I want the freedom to do what I want. We don't trust God. We don't believe that he actually has our goodness in mind. We walk right into this trap of our own making. We are enslaved to whatever we define as what will bring us happiness. Ultimately, they're all appetites. They don't quite fulfill us. Ultimately, they're empty. You see this all the time. Someone who gets an incredible amount of money becomes incredibly successful, and they're not happy. They're miserable, and they talk about it. There's all these different ways. Or you get to the career status that you thought that would bring you happiness, and you just have to have more. I have these conversations about some of you and in, in, in the companies that you work for and these, these heads of these corporations who've made it and have all this money, and they just can't stop. Or they've, because it's not fulfilling. Something has to bring you meaning. Now, if you're a Christ follower, don't think that you're off the hook here. It's really interesting we think because we've become a Christ follower that we shouldn't struggle with sin. We shouldn't struggle with our own brokenness. And I think this way, just kind of naturally, 
And so I'm, I'm baffled or broken when I do things that are not great and I hurt others in my life or hurt myself. So you've been freed from the fear of death and you know that you are secure in eternity with God, absolutely, but you still have what we call indwelling sin. This is part of the restoration. We live in our broken bodies and and God is restoring us and leading us through these things to point us to Him. We have these bad habits and these inclinations that are still there. Paul calls this your sinful nature, sins that you are prone to do, and we're all prone to different things. You're drawn to that they're still in you. You're prone to anger or lust or anxiety or depression, addiction or jealousy, or you're prone to pursue wealth or fame or status or likes or promotion. And so don't be shocked when you still struggle with these things. And don't be shocked when we see this with one another as we serve in our church family and we engage in life with one another. That's why we read last week, Paul said, be patient with one another, offering grace because we're learning to grow. Part of God's plan, He is still redeeming us and restoring us. He has a purpose to help you love Him and walk towards Him and walk away from death. He has made a way now for you to walk away from these things and towards Him. And without Him, you're actually powerless to do it. And so Paul continues in Romans 7. He says this. He says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and is good, but the trouble is with me, for I am all too human. I'm a slave to sin. Maybe you'll identify with this. He says, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, This shows that I agree that the law is good. Isn't that interesting? It's like, if I know that, why is it that you know that it's wrong? Where did that come from? Who put that in us? Like, how do we know that something is wrong? If you you search that question, the only answer can be that there was good in the world. There was a beauty. Like, we fight for that right now. We're so appalled by horrible things that happen. And we're like, we know that there's a beauty. It shows that I agree that the law is good. It brings beauty. So I'm not the one doing wrong. He says, it is sin living in me that does it. It's sinful nature. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. So important to understand this. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. We've talked about this, right, in this series. We stand in line for croissants, and the person takes the last one. I did that. I talked about that, and I get angry at that dude for doing what I wanted to do. But he took what I wanted. Like, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. If, but if I don't, <laughs> but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. He says it is power within me that is at war with my mind. That power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And that statement leaves you and me without hope. 
because you know that that's true. <laughs> and so he identifies with his next statement is this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Well, that's the beauty is we are not without hope. He says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's beautiful. So he says, he, con he concludes with this statement. So you see how it is. In my mind, I want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. But there's a beauty in this because we read just before that, that Christ came because of what he did, we are no longer slaves to it. He gave us a way to walk away. He gave us a way to, for it no longer to be our master. Christ came so that sin might lose its power in our lives. And so that is the key thing. And our process of living out our, our lives as Christ's follower is is, is engaging in this relationship with God, becoming like Him. That's how it originally became called Christians. It's becoming like God in His character and His nature because those are the things that are beautiful and good, and we're trusting that. And we're walking away from the things that enslave us and towards freedom. We are saved by grace alone. We use that word saved. We are saved from our brokenness. We're not saved because we changed, because you became good, but we realize that we can't. But if we are saved, we will change. He will step into our hearts. You can really only change when He is there. And He is restoring you to the beauty. But what's more as he wants to be in a relationship with you. And so when we screw it up, because you will, you're going to blow it. No matter how much you try, how strong your will is, you will blow it. So when you blow it, we don't walk away from God. That's the very moment where we feel condemned that he wants to lean in with us because he knows that we can't resist it. He's the only one who can. He's the only one that can really do that in your life. And he's the only one that can help you walk away from that. He is the only one that can actually free you from the power of sin. We are never going to fully walk away from it until he restores us completely one day, which he promised that he will. He's going to one day do that. And we know that that's true because of what he has done. We have absolute confidence in that. But we invite him into these moments. The darkest place of who you are is the one place. He's the only person that is not scared of that. That's the very place that Christ wants to lean in and be with you. Where you experience the most shame. You and I are scared of those dark places. We see those that are hurting in our world in a way that we don't know how to engage. God, God can And that's the beauty of who he is, of his grace and his mercy. That's the treasure that we've found. It is only in Christ that you have the tools, the actual means to overcome sin. Without him, we are left on our own to our self-ruled life. 
culture around us will say, great, let me do it on my own. <laughs> it's what you and I want to do in, that, in our nature. But we walk to anything else. Everything that you walk to actually enslaves you. You're not free. You should think about that this week. Because of Christ, in Romans 6.14, sin is no longer your master. You no longer live under the requirements of the law. As Christ followers, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You are forgiven. You are free. So it's a mistake. The first thing here is, just to recap here, it's a mistake to think that as a Christian, you won't be bothered by sin. Nope. It's just no longer your master. You are no longer under the reign of sin. You are now under the reign of God's grace. What does this mean? Well, real quick, as quickly as I can, you no longer have to obey the sinful urges that are in you, the things that are going to lead you to death. You no longer have to obey that. It does mean this before you are a Christian, if you're not a Christ follower, sin does have a mastery over you. You don't actually have the resources from God to resist temptation. This is what's really interesting, that we believe that God is in us longing for us to do this. And these are the habits and the practices that we want to invite Him into to help us walk away from this. And without Him, you can't actually do this. We call this being under the law. Something besides Christ has to be your salvation. It doesn't matter who you are. There's something in you that you have to have something else earning your goodness. Or what makes you have an identity. So if you work hard enough, if you make enough money, or if you are beautiful enough, if you do this thing, you'll be all right. If you own this house in this neighborhood like others do, then you'll be okay. The problem is you do that and you find other people who own two houses and you're not happy. You think I'm crazy saying that, but I have friends that do the very same thing. They're not free. You get that promotion. Or interestingly enough, if you don't get it, you're devastated because that's all that you have. For some of you, you're trying to be a really good person. That's your identity. God will like me or I'll go to heaven or I'll be okay. You're not really free. And if you're under the law, there are certain sins that you'll never be able to resist because you have to have some identity. And outside of an identity with Christ, you will never be able to risk it because, because to resist the things and the actions that come from that means that you have to die to that identity and you are, will be devastated. And so you could walk away from it, but you still are unfulfilled. And so you could put down an addiction towards something maybe. But you have to walk towards something else, and you'll do that instead. You're not really free because something has to be your identity. And it's only when Christ is our identity, where we know that we are freed, that we were accepted and loved fully by Him, when we blow it or when we don't blow it. It is only from that freedom and that identity that you can really walk away because it doesn't have mastery over you anymore. And I hope that you can understand this. And we have to tell ourselves this over and over again to really get it. 
And I want to encourage you to walk towards that. It's only because of what Christ has done. When he takes that away, that we know that we're okay, we're forgiven, that I can then walk away from sin. We also understand because of what Jesus has shown us, only he can do that work in you. You'll just, if you don't have Christ, you just have to chase another idol. Do you think yourself as an honest person? And you'd be like, well, I'm going to tell the truth, even if it hurts my career. It's interesting. You wonder why people lie. If their career is their God and their identity, if they lie, that's going to help their career keep going, they'll do it. So you look at politicians, you look at others in authority, it's like, how could they make that decision? Because to say no, to not take that step, would mean the death of that identity. You have to have something that leads you. And this is the beauty of Christ, is that we need Him. And so we invite Him in to our lives. Romans 8 says this. I'm going to read a couple passages to end here. We don't have this for the screen. So Romans 8, 1 through 5. Paul just said, what a miserable person I am. Thank God I have, I have Jesus Christ our Lord. And then out of that, he says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law couldn't do. He sent his own son in a body like the body we sinners have. And in the body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit, who He is. He sends His Spirit to do a work in us. And that is our personal commitment and relationship to Him. And then the beauty is that He lives in you, that you find that treasure in Him, that He is your strength. He is your comfort. He's not going to take away all the trouble in the world. He said that. But He promised that He'll always be with you. And that is how we make the commitments to one another. We take the steps as Christ followers. We walk that narrow path because we know that leads us to life. We submit to one another in relationships because we know that he's made us for that and it will lead us to beauty. We show an, a world that we can be unified even when we have differences. We take steps of faith that aren't easy to do because we love Jesus and we trust his words. And that's what leads to these these, these phrases in the scriptures. Let me end with this. This is found in Titus. Paul is writing a letter to Titus. And he says this. He says, we, Once we too were foolish and disobedient, 
We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But, (laughs) it's a huge word, but when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His his grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And that's why we love Him and we follow Him. And you are invited into that relationship. Where are you in this journey? You are invited not to religion, but to life, a life that is full. It doesn't make sense, but it is a full life. It is beautiful. If you're a Christ follower, don't be afraid to trust him. How can you take steps towards him in your life? If you're pursuing him, continue to seek him. Maybe you're ready to take that step and follow him. Let us know. Come find us after the service. Check follow Christ in your connection card. We'd love for you to, to help you take that step towards him. Because he is the one that brings us to life. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you for your beautiful words. They're not easy. You didn't just say love everyone. No, you showed us that love is hard. It takes sacrifice. But that leads to beauty. I pray that we would keep trusting you and be obedient because you are the one that fulfills it. And may we enjoy life and the freedom you've given us, whether times are hard or good, because our treasure is in you. I thank you, Jesus, my Lord, my God, my Savior, my beauty, my all. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.